Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to Season 2 of Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. For any new listeners out there, this is a podcast that comes out every single Monday morning on footballnation.com. We have a few special shows during the season. For the most part, we come out on Monday morning, but uh, last year we had an episode on, on Thanksgiving and the, the Wednesday before um, the, the start of the season, the first opening day of the NFL season. So for the most part, Monday mornings with a few special episodes, um, as we have the special in quotations. Um, but just happy to be back and hopefully better than ever here on FootballNation.com on Monday Morning Huddle. Uh, let's get right to it. We're going to start out with a story that has been hot all weekend. Aaron Hernandez arrest uh, happening over the weekend, the New England Patriots uh, tight end Patriots all of a sudden are having a lot of trouble with their tight ends. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, the perennial pro bowler, has injury issues, has had injury issues ongoing for a while now, and Patriot fans and NFL fans are starting to doubt his longevity and his ability to stay healthy and continue to help the Patriots uh, return to a Super Bowl. But when healthy, that guy is as good as anybody. Maybe Jimmy Graham is the only other guy in the same class as Rob Gronkowski. But this other guy, Aaron Hernandez, almost as talented. The Patriots really like to use him in a lot of different situations. He's occasionally used as a fullback. So this is an important piece to their puzzle, especially without Gronkowski. And uh, Hernandez, um, the, uh, a warrant, the warrants for his arrest has been issued uh, according to ABC News and Fox 25 in Boston. And the a warrant is for the obstruction of justice involving the murder investigation of Odin Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd uh, was found dead near Hernandez's home in Massachusetts uh, last Monday night. Uh, police have met with Hernandez a couple times, and all this information that I'm um, reciting to you can be found on Football Nation um, in an article uh, as of right now is on the front page, um, a little bit towards the bottom of the, the front page of the website. Uh, Fox 25 has uh, cited that law, the law enforcement source saying that Hernandez and Lloyd were two other men at a bar in Boston that night of the homicide and they left together in a vehicle driven by Hernandez. Uh, the report gets a little sketchy after that, but Fox 25 also reported that neighbors heard a gunshot between 3 a.m. and 3.30 that Monday morning. And it gets even more interesting as you can I continue to re read on here. Hernandez, according to ABC News, intentionally destroyed a home security system within his house and turned over a broken cell phone to the police. Uh, he also hired a cleaning service to clean his mansion that next day, on Monday. Um, so, a little sketchy there. Obviously, destroying your own home security system and then turning over a broken cell phone to the police. Um, 
isn't gonna really look like you're innocent. But um, that apparently that was actually the, the tipping point, and that was um, how the police got the warrant after the the news came out about destroying his home security system uh, in his mansion. Uh, this guy looks like he's gonna be fi- uh, gonna come out and he's gonna be guilty. Um, I'm not a lawyer, so I do not know. You know, how long this is going to take. I do not know how many years he could go to jail if found guilty. Um, but knowing the Patriots, he might not even return to the team even if he's innocent. And knowing the NFL, uh, the NFL with their crackdown on this kind of stuff, on um, run-ins with the law, uh, even in a case where there with Ben Roethlisberger, he was found innocent, but um, was still suspended uh, four games a few years ago. So uh, you would imagine that Hernandez might get uh, the hammer from Roger Goodell, in which case he might not be available at the start of the season. Neither is Rob Gronkowski. So the Patriots really hurting at the tight end position as of right now um, and don't really know what they're going to do about that. There is an article on footballnation.com by Doug Tozer that could put some light on the situation. Pretty nice slideshow by Tozer about uh, presenting uh, a few options that um, the Patriots could try and and do uh, this offseason to to replace those two guys, at least at the start of the season. Um, Number one... I, I won't go through the whole list, but um, he's got some interesting names on here, including Jake Ballard, which I think a lot of Giant fans, of course, are going to remember who that is. But there's a, a, he had a very successful run with them to the Super Bowl in 2011. So I think a lot of people will remember that name. He's a guy that I can definitely see the Patriots using and um, using very, very well. And, Tom Brady has always had a knack for making the players around him better and the receivers and the tight ends around him much better than they actually are. And that I don't think that's really the case with Gronkowski and Hernandez. They're talented, big um, guys that are really almost uncoverable, at least in Gronkowski's situation. Um, but they definitely benefit from having Tom Brady as their quarterback. So I think Jake Ballard, even though he did very well with Eli Manning, could definitely benefit from having Tom Brady throw him the football. Now, there's a couple other guys in this slideshow. Um, I don't want to give it away because you should go check out uh, Doug's article. But um, there are guys on New England's roster um, that could potentially replace these two tight ends, including what is an NFL podcast without mentioning Tim Tebow? Uh, Tim Tebow is one of the other guys that Doug mentioned could be a replacement. Um, There was a story yesterday, or at least over the weekend, that um, the Patriots do not plan to move Tim Tebow to tight end. Of course, his body certainly suggests that he could be a good tight end. Decent speed, but his size is really what um, alludes to him being a tight end fullback type thing. And he really could be a replacement for Hernandez, who who um, runs 
and and plays in those different positions, blocking for guys and um, uh, catching the ball. Uh, we don't really know, or I don't really know, um, Tim Tebow's catching ability. But um, if he's even decent at catching, he could be a decent tight end. And I don't know. I don't think New England plans to officially move him to tight end, but they're going to use him like they use Hernandez at the start of the season. I, I really think so. I think they're going to really adapt Tim Tebow into their system, um, unlike really what the Jets did. Uh, the Jets had this weapon in Tebow, and whether they didn't want to use it, didn't know how to use it, there was a there was a disconnect between the GM, uh, Rob Ryan, and the offensive coordinator, Tony Sperano. Uh, that's not really going to happen, I don't think, in Denver. And you have to remember, I'm sure many fans already know this, um, with all the coverage of Tim Tebow getting signed by the Patriots a few weeks ago, um, the offensive coordinator for New England is now Josh McDaniels, who actually drafted Tim Tebow in Denver. So this is a guy who likes Tim Tebow, obviously, enough to move up in the first round. I believe they moved up. Maybe they didn't move up. Um, but they definitely picked him in the first round, um, which nobody thought Tim Tebow would go that early. So this is a guy that has faith in Tebow, um, likes him, is gonna knows how to use him, and is going to use him. And I think Tebow is going to benefit from that confidence in Belichick and um, in his offensive coordinator and his teammates. I think, obviously, we all know that Tim Tebow is going to win over the locker room. He's just a great locker room guy to have um, in that clubhouse. So, interesting uh, weekend uh, for the New England Patriots. Uh, otherwise, besides that, a little bit quiet, um, but that was definitely big news. And when we come back, we'll cover a little bit more of the, the lesser news of the last week or so on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. Maybe I need some rehab, or maybe just need some sleep. A sick obsession. I'm seeing it in my dreams. I'm looking down every alley. I'm making those desperate calls. I'm staying up all night, hoping, hitting my head against the wall. What you got, boy, is hard to find. I think about it all the time. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. Your host, Dave Holcomb. Yes, I know. Uh, for any of you listeners out there who followed us last year, Kesha is not a band we normally have on this show. Um, well, we don't have any bands on this show, but Kesha's music is not normally on our show, uh, or music like Kesha. But you know what? I saw Kesha in May. She came to Syracuse, where I, I go to school, went to school, I graduated, and um, kind of went because a friend asked me to go, and you know what? She wasn't that bad. She was a really good performer. Kesha is kind of my guilty pleasure. Um, I definitely like uh, classic rock more, but um, hopefully our uh, our listeners out there didn't mind a little bit of uh, the the glitter, uh, whatever her nickname is, Kesha. Um, but moving on to uh, back to football. <laughs> um, if you have any comments about our show, um, send me a shout out. I'd love to uh, have a conversation about you, uh, a conversation with you, and perhaps uh, bring it on to the show. Uh, tweet at me, DM, H-O-L-C-O-M-B, that would be my Twitter handle, and 
I was going to say the at, but that would only be that would be an email. Uh, the email I have a brand new email. Not many um, letters. Is it letters? Um, not many uh, letters in the inbox. So uh, send me a letter on email. Um, it's Holcomb M David at gmail.com. Holcomb spelled H-O-L-C-O-M-B and my middle initial M, and then my full name first full my full first name David at gmail.com. Moving on, we're going to have a, a short little segment about Andy Dalton. Um, pretty good article written by Matthew Nutter, um, presenting a little chart um, comparing Andy Dalton to Super Bowl winning quarterbacks uh, Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. And, and the point that um, Matthew was trying to make with this was that Dalton's numbers are pretty similar across the board, really, to um, all these quarterbacks that have won um, Super Bowls, some of the multiple Super Bowls. Um, and the, his numbers right now aren't similar, um, but in their first two years, if you look at the numbers of all the quarterbacks, um, they're quite comparable. Uh, I, I understand why Matthew included Drew Brees because he is one of the prolific pass uh, passers in today's NFL, but back in his first couple of years, he really um, really was not um, a big name or um, a big quarterback. He he got his name or earned his stripes with the Saints much later, so Brees could kind of get thrown out of this list. He is, he's, his record is, was 10-17, and 17, and he threw more interceptions in his first two seasons uh, with the Chargers. Um, and... Uh, a lot of these guys struggled record-wise. If you look, some of them did not. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger. You look at this, twenty-two and three in his first two seasons. A lot of that had to do with the team that he was on, um, not necessarily him, but not that he didn't play well. Um, but he wasn't um, the quarterback that he is today. Obviously, Peyton Manning, even sixteen and sixteen. Um, Tom Brady. 20 and 10, Eli Manning, barely above 500, 12 and 11, Joe Flacco, another quarterback that had a lot of regular season success, uh, winning games at 20 and 12. Andy Dalton, 19 and 13, not too bad in the regular season, of course. Um, to get any recognition in this league, you got to win playoff games. Now, um, he's 0 and 2 in playoff games. Interesting enough, if you look at passing yards, of all these quarterbacks that I just listed, he is second. He's in front of Flacco, Manning, Breeze, Roethlisberger, and Brady for passing yards in the first two seasons of a career. So only behind Peyton Manning, and it's okay to be behind him in any category, really. So um, this is this is a guy statistically um, that looks like. He could be a, a Super Bowl quarterback in the time, to, in 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 the future. Um, now, I've I'm, I think I'm done. I'm done uh, praising Andy Dalton. Now, um, the the article that Matthew wrote kind of ends with him suggesting, or really stating, 
that the Bengals are going to be or are a Super Bowl contending team this year. Now, I'm going to hold the brakes on that. What's interesting to me in the AFC North, when you look at the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then, of course, the Cleveland Browns, um, to me, Cincinnati could be the team to beat. I don't want to say the team to beat. They could be the new top dog in that division this year. It's possible. Uh, the Ravens lost a lot of players from their Super Bowl team, but you know what? The Ravens are going to be there. The Steelers, they're getting old, they're getting slow, but you know what? They've gotten rid of some of those older players. They're bringing in new talent through the draft. Hopefully for them, they're hoping that that talent pans out. We'll see, but if that talent does pan out, the Steelers, they're going to be there. But I do think Cincinnati, this is their time. This is their time to emerge. I think it's this year. In Andy Dalton's third year, the defense is there. Um, if But don't get me wrong. This team in this division known for defense, even though defense has been an afterthought in recent NFL years, even by the Ravens, who did not have a particularly good defense last year, the defense is going to get the Bengals to the top of this division. It's not going to be Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, that's great. That offense, that's great. But it's going to be the defense. And the reason why I'm not jumping out of my seat to say the Bengals are a Super Bowl contending team is because of the way they ended the season. Um, record of 9-7. and seven. Lining up against the Bengals on a Sunday, you're not shaking in your boots. At least not yet. Um, I think if you're going to be a Super Bowl contending team, you got to be a team that raises eyebrows when they when you come to town. Nobody gets scared of the Cincinnati Bengals. People get scared when Tom Brady comes to town, when Peyton Manning does, when the Bron- last year when the Broncos, um, the Patriots. People get scared when the Ravens come to town. Uh, if, if we're only going to be naming um, AFC teams now in the NFC. You know, the Packers, the 49ers. People raise their eyebrows for those teams. Cincinnati is not an eyebrow-raising team. Not yet. They could be. But right now, I do not think that Cincinnati is necessarily a Super Bowl contending team. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Now, maybe Matthew and I were just kind of splitting hairs. I, I, I do believe Cincinnati will be a playoff team. As of right now, I I haven't decided all my playoff teams, but I do think Cincinnati has a good chance of making the playoffs. But, and in a way, if you make the playoffs, you're contending for the Super Bowl. You're one of the 12 teams that's in the the tournament at the end of the season. Um, But to me, at the start of the year, there's only maybe five to eight teams maybe even less than that, maybe just like five teams, I would say, that are Super Bowl contenders. That doesn't mean that they're going to be one of the five teams in it. I just think at the start of the year, there's about five to six teams maybe that are Super Bowl contenders. Cincinnati is not one of them right now. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with our fourth and long segment. Done. 
And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle, your host, Dave Holcomb. Once again, I'd love to start a conversation with you. Tweet at me, DM, H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Send me an email to my new Gmail account, HolcombMDavid at gmail.com. We're going to move on to our fourth and long segment. It's good to be back and uh, be doing this show. And most of our shows last year, I think more than 30 of them, had the fourth and long segment. This is the part of the show where I say three facts, I guess you could say, three statements, and I either agree, which means I'm going for it on fourth and long, or I disagree and I punt it away. So here we go. First one. This one's based on an article by Justin Henry, a good slideshow by him. Um, He's had a series of slideshows with the ranking the best 100 players in the NFL going into this season. So it's there's nothing really to do with your perennial stats, but it has everything to do with how well you played last year and how much you're anticipated to play well this year. So number one on the list, sorry, Justin, I'm going to give it away, but still everybody go check out his article, Adrian Peterson. So my first statement Adrian Peterson is the best player in the NFL going into the 2013 season. That's a softball question. Yes, he is. Um, Plus 2,000 yards rushing. I can bring up any stat you want from last year. He was by far and away the best running back. He was the best player on his team. He carried the Vikings to a playoff, um, playoff berth. And a team that many people did not think would go anywhere. This guy has been a top five player in the NFL um, for a while now. And with his injury, we saw with with his ACL injury um, now a year and a half ago, we saw how quickly a player could drop on the best players list. And he dropped pretty far after... um, his ACL injury that a lot of people didn't think he would be the same. Now he could fall again. He could get hurt this coming year um, or not be quite as good. He carried the ball a lot of times last year, but going into this season without a doubt, I think Adrian Peterson is the best player in the NFL. Now, if you want to see the other 99 players, I would go check out Justin Henry's articles and slideshows on that Really good piece, Justin. Moving on to elite quarterbacks. (laughs) A topic that I often cringe at. Um, Article written by Michael Grabowski um, listing or discussing uh, elite quarterbacks. And he's got um, two different categories, elite and clutch. Now, in his elite category... I'm not going to give away any of the names um, besides one that really surprised me, Matt Ryan. Now, I think, I, I, I'll come out and say it, statement, Matt Ryan is an elite quarterback, I'm punting away. I, I do not think he is elite. Um, but again, I think I'm, I might be splitting hairs with another writer on our website 
because we have different definitions of the word elite. Uh, I, I touched upon this a little bit, I think, at the end of last year's um, season of Monday Morning Huddle. I, I think I wrote an article about it before, prior to the Super Bowl about Kaepernick and Flacco not being elite. To me, elite is the best of the best. You cannot have 10 elite quarterbacks. Now, I know uh, Grabowski did not list 10 quarterbacks, but I don't think you can even have more than five. I think five is the most that you can have of elite quarterbacks. I think really what you want to have is maybe three. Maybe three. I think it'd be hard to get it down to three, so I, I might expand it to four. Matt Ryan is not in the top four quarterbacks in the league. Elite is the best of the best. The best of the best. If you look at Matt Ryan's stats and compare them to maybe, I don't know, randomly pick a name here, John Elway, then actually Matt Ryan might have better stats. I have not checked that. I'm just saying that he might because of the way the league is structured nowadays. But that does not mean that Matt Ryan was better than John Elway if that makes any sense. John Elway was elite because he was in the top three quarterbacks in the league at the time that he played. Now, Matt Ryan is not. Matt Ryan is not a top three, top four, even top five quarterback in the league. Now, take out the argument about whether you think he's clutch or not in the playoffs or can get it done and win a Super Bowl eventually with the Falcons. Take that out. You don't need that in this argument. Matt Ryan is not in the, the top class of quarterbacks, which to me is Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees. If you want to have an elite club, and I have elite in quotes, it's the, to me it's those four guys. I, I do not think it's anybody else. There's a lot of other really good quarterbacks and there's a lot of other quarterbacks that play elite at times. Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan. But they are not elite quarterbacks in my mind. Our last statement of the day, um, a topic that I came up with myself, um, a really interesting topic. I think it's always cool to kind of go through the league and, and pick out the best rivalries. And, and in my opinion, I'm returning to the AFC North again, uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers have been the best rivalry in the NFL for at least four or five years now, I think, since Flacco and Harbaugh took over um, on the Ravens. That Steelers-Ravens rivalry, that was 2008, has been the best game to watch each year. Um, and you could maybe even go back further than that because the Ravens and Steelers have been, you know, two great defensive teams and rivals for a while. But I think really in 2008 was really when it started. That was the first year I think that it was the best rivalry in the NFL, maybe in sports. Who, who knows? It's a fun argument to have. But with the way the league is going now, Baltimore and Pittsburgh could be a little bit on the, the, I don't want to say decline, I guess is the right word. They could be on the decline, possibly. Um, 
the best rivalry in the NFL next year, I think, is going to be, well, I'll say my statement. Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers are now the best rivalry in the NFL. I'm grunting on that. I definitely think that is the best rivalry in the NFL. They're already exchanging words um, this offseason between the coach, um, Jim Harbaugh, and the players on the Seahawks. It's just an interesting rivalry. And they really do not like each other. There's a real hatred there, which has to be present for it to be a great rivalry. You can't be lovey-dovey with the other team if it's going to be a great rivalry. These guys genuinely hate each other. And I think one of the reasons why this is a really good rivalry is because the head coaches have big egos and they hate each other. That Jim Harbaugh and uh, Pete Carroll. They And, and what makes it even more interesting, they go all the way back to their days in the Pac-10 and the, uh, the Pac-12 um, facing each other in in that conference with USC and Stanford. And, and Stanford, in a way, kind of took over um, when USC had a little bit of a decline. Now, the decline kind of came after Carroll left. But it was interesting that Harbaugh um, beat USC a few times um, and then now they're playing on the same coast in the same division in the NFL. Just really interesting stuff. And and also, for it to be one of the best rivalries, you got to have two good teams. Not only do they have to hate each other, but they have to be good teams. And I think San Francisco, as we've seen the last two years under Harbaugh, they're a team that is going to be a perennial Super Bowl contender. <laughs> I I use the term Super Bowl contender. And I think the Seahawks, you know, in the NFC, they're a Super Bowl contender. If you wanted to have four or five teams, to me, I, I do think, like I said, I only had four or five teams in the league, but I do think that um, Seattle is a team that could definitely make some noise. Unlike the, the Bengals, I think, are a playoff team. Honestly, I don't think they're going to make much noise in the playoffs. The Seahawks, if Russell Wilson continues to improve and this team is going to get better on defense, their defense is already stellar. They do have the issue of having the 49ers in the same division. Now, if they can't win the division, they got to go on the road right away like they had to last year. But we saw them win a road playoff game, almost win two. So this is a team that could definitely make a lot of noise um, come January next year. And this rivalry, I think, will make a lot of noise um, and will be really exciting uh, games to watch. And luckily, just like uh, the Steelers and Ravens, we get to watch it twice, which is even better. That's the end of our fourth and long segment. We're going to come back, take a quick break, one more Kesha song, and uh, come back and wrap up today's show. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, Grab my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm going to hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Because when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking pedicure on our toes, toes, trying on all our clothes. 
That's it for our show today. Thanks for listening. It's so good to be back and making this show again. Uh, but thank you to all the listeners out there that make this show possible. We got more than 4,000 listens last year in our 33 episodes. So we're hoping that season two is even bigger and more popular than that. But thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out all those articles that I uh, mentioned before. Um, I will be starting to write a lot more articles this coming week. So uh, look out for those. And uh, don't forget to find us on Facebook. I didn't mention that before. Dave's Football News has um, what I consider to be the, the cream of the crop that I find on Football Nation. Uh, I post articles there of other people and myself. So uh, if you're on Facebook, don't forget to check that out, as well as my Twitter and email account. You can reach me at as well. That's it for this week. I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind. You know, it's true.